Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way. And that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Sinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a very special episode planned for you. This is a page review podcast, and we're so happy you're here. Thank you, guys. We are so happy to have Melissa Wharton joining us. She is an editor at Macmillan. She says, across the board in fiction, I'm relationship-driven. Fierce platonic friendships, flirty and funny love stories, cool siblings or cousins, dynamic parent-child interactions, I want the characters behind the wheel. Thrillers, nearly sympathetic bad guys, sports stories, preferably with female leads. Light touches of magic or magical realism. I'm not interested in dystopian or science fiction or kid detective newspaper or journalism stories. So we are also here with a very brave author, Brooke Urban. Um, Brooke, tell us about you. I've written several novels, uh, published two, one self-published and one is traditionally published. And um, yes, <gasps> I have a labradoodle. He's really cute. I'm tuning in from Idaho. Woohoo! Yay! So what's going to um, happen, you guys, is we are going to um, read Brooke's query exactly as we would in a 10-minute meeting, and we're going to have Melissa um, actually give her review right here online on the podcast. Here we go. We've got Brooke's first page here. Um, the preface. My mother always painted the wicked ones with black eyes. Deep heavy, soulless black. Everyone knew the wickets were evil, but my mom claimed it was more than that. She said the wickets were demons trapped in human corpses, just waiting to burn the world to ash. It wasn't until years later after my mother died that the world did burn, but the wickets didn't set the fire. I did. Chapter one. Tonight will be spectacular. It has to be. I tighten my ponytail and stare between the curtains. People filter through the mission gate and find seats in the curved stands that lie on either side of the arena. There are young families and elderly couples and lovey-dovey teens, but the number of attendees is dismal at best. How's it look? Asks Alder. He knocks into my shoulder and he pushes his way in front of me. His lanky body blocks a tiny sliver of audience. After a moment, he twists to frown at me. That's not good. I know, I say, but there's still time. It's not even seven yet. It's 6.50, Nova, says Alder. He sticks his nose up when he speaks as though being right is more important than being optimistic. There's still time, I repeat, but honestly, this is what we expected. Or maybe not everyone expected this. They at least feared this, held the thought somewhere in the back of their mind. Alder scrunches his face at me. His features are pointed and suspicious, like he's a rat waiting to steal the last bite of cheese. So just like with a real meeting, I am setting the timer for 10 minutes and go. All right. So I am usually not a fan of a preface, but I am to preface, but I am a big fan of this one. I think this does some really good, strong work at setting the scene and drawing me into the story. And there's very few prologues that I feel that way about. So Nice job. This is this is really really tight. 
Um, Yay, thank you. And, you know, perhaps if I if I saw the full, I might say, oh, maybe you could fold that into like chapter one intro just to sort of get the 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 wordiness of a prologue out of it. But but I don't mind this. I think it's doing great work. Um, okay, so you know, the first thing that grabbed me, Brooke, is the last line of the preface with, but the wickeds didn't set the fire. I did, because that is a mic drop of a line. That is so <laughs> cool. Um, I really, really love the setup that you do here. Um, okay, so a question that I have about the preface is when you say my mother always painted the wicked ones with black eyes, the mother is an artist. Okay. Yes. She is yeah. a physical artist. Um, so she's painter. And so the reason I ask is the word painted is that was my gut reaction, but it's a little bit vague. So I might recommend that you put a little, a little more of an allusion to art in that preface. Um, and it doesn't have to be anything dramatic. I think, you know, she painted the wicked ones with black eyes. Um, you know, mention charcoal or oil paints or a collection of paintings, um, any number of things that wouldn't require you to do any real rejiggering here, but something that will indicate that we're talking about art and not description, um, that you chose this word really intentionally. Um, but that's a, that's a super minor thing. Uh, moving, moving through the preface. I'm seeing, um, everyone knew the wickeds were evil, but my mom claimed it was more than that. Um, she said the wickeds were demons trapped in human corpses. So what I'm wondering, how does the mom know? Like what, you know, why does she know something different from everybody else? And that's not necessarily a question that, again, that you have to answer like off the bat. It's good to keep a little, a little mystery, but I do, I do caution the line of what, especially when it comes to sort of, uh, dystopian, you know, futuristic fantasy, whenever the world is like fully made up. Um, And even when it's not, but it's sort I do question the idea of like somebody who is entirely separate from the pack. Uh, Someone who is, has a very different idea from everybody else. Because if this is taken as common knowledge, you know, why is the mom the only one who claims it's more than that? Um, And that's actually, um, I'll actually pose that question in, in all seriousness, like how does the mom know? Does she just sort of have a sense? Yeah, I I guess that's one thing I didn't really. Well, no, well, no, and I, and I totally don't say <laughs> it to be to like, haha, like call you out, like not at all. It's, it's like it's one of those things, no, especially yeah. in early and in first pages, you don't get a lot of justice. Um, but especially in a first page, it does sort of raise the question of you know what makes her different, what makes the mom different, and I wonder if you know if she's an artist she may see the world in different ways and she may have a different idea of, you know, what is, what looks good, what looks evil um, because of the way that she depicts it. So, so that could, to- it could totally spring from that or it could just be, you know, a manner of massaging it. Like, you know, we don't know what the mom has seen, what in her life has sort of led her to believe that there's something deeper than evil. Um, but I do off the bat question, you know, what about her yeah. means that she sees this whole sort of world that has long been accepted as reality. Why does she see it differently? Um, and then how that's passed down to yeah, no, that's- Nova. Yeah. Um, so, you know, 
working that in without like giving away answers is, is sort of um, what I call the difference between being mm-hmm. mysterious and being vague. Um, and it's a very thin line. And sometimes you can be both. And sometimes you're just <laughs> one. And you don't want to just be vague. I think you're sort of just, you're not just vague. You're sort of just like teetering on the line. So let's push you firmly into mysterious um, is the way I see that. Um, yeah. o- other than that, I mean, this preface, like, man, that last line, that last line is so good. Um, so great, great work. <laughs> I really love that. Um, okay. Looking at chapter one, um, this is one where, where when we talk about mysterious and vague, I actually think that you, I, I am very inclined to say you're being too vague. That's kind of like, like, I feel like everybody has editors have kind of like a niche thing that they call out. And that, that tends to be my, my crutch. Um, Mm -hmm. and I can't do it here because I actually think you're striking a really nice balance of, you know, of you, like, I know, and maybe it's because I've just watched the greatest showman recently. So I'm sort of in this mindset. Um, but I am in that (laughs) scene. She's staring between the curtains. People are filtering in when they talk about the attendees. It doesn't sound like you are like, shoving in my face. Ooh, guess where we are? Like, no, I just, I just know where we are. Um, and you didn't even have to tell me. Um, it is a little, the only thing that's a little unclear, um, and which I only really know from your query is that they're at like a sort of circus, like this, this sort of futuristic circus. Um, and so if that is something that I think has such a sinister vibe to it, I don't like clowns, so maybe I'm just inclined to think that. Um, but and, and it doesn't sound like your circus has clowns in it. It's just it is sort of like a greatest showman style, like like a, a twist on the the trope of yeah. a freak show. And you sort of have turned that on its head and put it in the future. Um, so I think it might help you to sort of when you're setting this scene, set it. You're going. It's going to require more work for you because you can't just be like there are clowns and there are elephants and there's a trapeze. Like this is a very niche type of circus that you've concocted. Um, So I think rather than just setting the scene of this is a performance, which is very clear and gracefully done, feather in a bit of what's different about it. What, or, or is there nothing different about it? Is this your classic three ring circus? And we don't know how sort of twisted it is until you move through the story. That's fine too. Um, so sort of just setting the scene with a little more specificity, I think could when it comes to a first page, your your query makes it very clear that yeah. this is a super unique world. And I think you have a lot of room here because you've set your initial mm-hmm. scene so clearly and don't have work to do on that. You have a lot of room to to really set your scene and in a first page, no less, and sort of capture that attention off the bat. Um, when you've already sort of pulled me in with the preface now put me in this really different world, but that I can sort of recognize that's the sweet spot when it comes to fantasy. So, so little bits like that, I think, um, could be useful. Um, love the, the thing with the number of attendees is dismal. I sort of immediately have an idea of the problem with also Nova is me and just like, there's still time. And the line um, he speaks as though being right is more important than being optimistic. Okay. <laughs> that is my entire life. Um, so yeah. I guess thanks for that. Um, 
but but I really like that. And I think, you know, in just a couple of lines, you've established a setting, a problem, and a personality. And that's real that's huge. Um, so nice work on that. Yeah. Um being raised more important than being optimistic. Um next kind of question is when it says, um, but honestly, this is what we expected, or maybe not everyone expected this. They at least feared this. My question then becomes, who is everyone and who is they? And while we have Nova's character really clear, and I think Alder for where we are, I think I read him as clear enough. Um, I can sort of already tell he's a bit of a foil to her. I can tell he's important to her. Um, seems sort of around her age. I'm not really sure yeah. how I'm putting my finger on that. I just kind of have a feeling. Um, so maybe some, is that correct that he's about her age? They're twins. Yeah. Okay. So see, this is good yes, because yeah, that they're, actually they're to me did not come through. I almost read him up with yeah. that as a love interest. Whoops, we don't want that. Uh, <laughs> that there's there's <laughs> definitely some way to play with that and make it and make it a bit. Is that something that we want to be clear off the bat, or is that is that like a okay? Okay. Because cool, cool. if you were withholding it for any reason, there's ways to sort of adjust to that as well. Um, probably, but yeah. yeah, I think let's. No, that, I don't know. Probably she looks in his face and she sees no. her face. That's that, but better, much better. Um, so yeah, definitely. But his voice, like, is sort of clear. So I yeah. think then, <laughs> what I would like to see when I hear, um, not everyone expected this. They at least feared this. Who is the everyone and who is the they? And where do Nova and Alder sort of fit in their world? Um, it's a really interesting insight into Nova's personality when it says, okay. honestly, this is what we expected. Or maybe not. Like that sort of is, that sounds to me like her relentless optimism is sort of like prodding her and being like, no, you didn't expect yeah. this. You wanted this to work out. Um, so, so, but I do, what, what I want, what I wish was clearer is not, yeah, that's true. maybe not everyone expected this. Like, you know, is the everyone the attendees? Is this a family circus and the rest of her family was sort of hoping for a different outcome? Um, are we talking about the circus performers? Um, so just off the bat, sort of situating her in... And and it sometimes can be tricky to do organically because you don't want to suddenly shove a bunch of names that we've never heard um, in people's faces, but sort of situating Nova and Alder in... In, in a community, yeah. um, if they're going to mention their community, who are they in community with? And sort of, is that community posing questions or conflicts? Yeah. Or, you know, are they in community? Are they in agreement with it? Things like that, that I think you're very, very close to conveying in like three sentences, which is awesome. Um, but being able to sort of just give a bit of context. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now... And I think so. I think overall, I think this is okay, yeah, no, super, super perfect. strong. And what I think my biggest thing here, as it tends to be when it comes to worlds that are not our own, is just like really leaning into your world building here because it's so I'm instantly in a familiar scene. I also want to know is Nova about to be the ringleader? I want to know that for my own curiosity. I think I don't think you have to change anything. No, Nova and Alder are kind of both in line to be the next ringleader. It's a question of who. And is that our timer? No, yeah. I want to know what's going to happen with the power both struggle. want that position kind of for different reasons. <laughs> okay, wait, so, so one more question about that, if I may. Um, 
So when it comes out, I'm not going to stop you. So obviously what you're telling me, Brooke, are things that are going to unfold, you know, the hundreds of pages you have to actually tell a story. You do not have to tell an entire story in a first page and often that's detrimental. But what you're telling me are really big setup things that I think have a lot of, again, it's kind of because your foundation is so good here that I think you have room to play. So showing a little more like irritation is not quite the right word, but maybe you know, a little bit tense Nova might be around Alder sort of with this big thing at stake. Um, And we're seeing their personalities, but I'm not quite in that first page sensing the tension that you're about to build up. And maybe that tension doesn't exist yet. Maybe, I don't know, that might be a plot reveal that comes later. But looking at the way that they're relating to each other right now, seeing the tension between them hiked a little bit could just be a a brief turn of phrase. It doesn't have to be a whole like, Alder and I are feeling tense right now. Um, But but I think seeing that contributes to the problem that you've already set up. Like, you know, they're they're (laughs) vying for the position of ringleader for a circus that already kind of looks like it's going downhill. Um, And that's a very different problem than vying for the position of ringleader at a thriving performance. So, so adding, ramping up that tension, if that tension is there already, like lean into that. You're, because what, what you've got here is a great start to a story where like literally you're starting at the start. Like that's my favorite thing about when not to continue to draw parallels to the greatest showman, though I do love the greatest showman. Um, but what they, they start at the beginning of the show and the lights come up and that's what's happening here. The lights are about to come up and show us everything. (laughs) So the more you can lean into what, you're about to lay out, I think the more compelling your first page. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause I, when I, I've only, yeah, this is like a second draft or something. Um, but like I said earlier, setting up the character personalities, the setting and a problem, but you've done that so clearly that this is just sort of like the step two of the work. Like you've already done the step one um, and you've done it really well. So I think there's a lot of promise here. I really do. Yay. Thank you. So Brooke, so how, like just going back to, it's been, well, maybe 12 minutes. We, we probably did 12 minutes. Um, so how much did you get from that? What, what were you thinking as Melissa was going through this process? Um, so I would say I didn't really know. I hear the problems as soon as I hear them from someone else's point of view, if that makes sense. So like when someone, (laughs) when Melissa told me, you know, what could be improved, I was like, oh, of course it could. But like, it was something I've read that a million times and it wasn't something I caught myself. So it was definitely very helpful hearing it um, from someone who works in the business and actually knows what they're talking about. (laughs) I think that's often how it goes though. You can't really... see the solution for your own book as easily as you can if someone says, do this thing. Because you've looked at it so many times. You've edited so many times. It just comes down to a gut feeling as a reader. And having, you know, if you're an avid reader, you you as the reader sort of can tell if you are hungry for more information because you're being led to it, or if you're hungry for more information because things are being left out. and, and the way I always look at it is the line between mysterious and vague gets a lot more defined um, in the good way when the writer has the stronger command of the world they're in, um, which is something that I think Brooke is doing really well here. And you don't have to convey in the writing everything you know about your world, 
But if you don't know, and if it comes down to, okay, but why are, for instance, why are the wicked's demonic? And the answer is because something must have happened to them, you know, a decade ago. The re- you don't have to tell a reader that for them to know that you don't know the answer. Um, so I think to me, the line comes out without a command of the world. And that's why it comes down to world building in fantasy or in contemporary, the line between mysterious and vague is clarified when you have command of the world you're in. I mean, if I was going to jump in on this, you guys, and I'm, and I always do this and it's so annoying. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, because I'm a screenwriting teacher, a visual writing teacher. Um, once we get to chapter one, Brooke, mm, yeah. I, if I was going to film this and I feel like this is like just like a test. If I was going to film this, I'm not truly sure what I would be filming. So I feel That's like you need to give us some of those take. grounding things that are cueing us to what's around us because because you really don't have it here. And I read it a couple of times and I was just like, you know, and I, well, and then I felt bad because oh, there's I was like, so much room. I, and I went back to, okay, the query, which I did read and I knew it was a circus, but I wasn't getting that. I wasn't. So, so like you could do it with, I mean, mm-hmm. I bet you could do it with 25 words. Yeah. You know, and so, and I think if you did that, I think that what's going to happen is no, it's going to be so but- unusual. It's going to pop from the page. Um, you know, and so that's kind of my, my weirdo, you know, like back end <laughs> where, where I'm there, I'm there with you. Yeah. I'm there with you. But there's a part of me that's like, I'm not totally there with my camera no, or, that makes or, sense. or I'm not totally there with, um, you know, the literacy I have a literacy degree. So like my comprehension of what's going on is, is a little bit because you haven't really dug down. And I think when Melissa um, talked about leaning in, like just leaning in, I was like, hell yeah. yeah. Like that's yeah. exactly. And you have a. Yeah, just lean in. And, and that's it's just like really lean into what we need to see to make this tension pop. Yeah. Generally speaking, when I look at a prologue into a chapter one, if I think that the story could just start with a cha- with where chapter one begins, I didn't need the prologue. Oftentimes, chapter one just jumps you right into the action. And the prologue tends to be this weird, soft, squishy unfolding of a mysterious untold problem that we don't know about. Or, or in that case, the prologue, or in other cases, excuse me, the prologue jumps right into the action, at which point why does it have to be a prologue? Why can't we just call it chapter one? Um, I don't know. For me, it almost comes down to semantics. Um, Whereas what I think this does really well is it's not too squishy. It's very defined. We're talking about the tangible, we're setting up an immediate tangible enemy, which is the wickets. And then I think based on your query, Brooke, what you'll do is you'll subvert my perception of what you've just done and you'll make them you'll make us realize they're not, they might not be the enemy, which is just as interesting, but you set up a tangible enemy and you set up a twist and, and you do both with me being very clearly able to tell what that is and then say, I want more. And that comes to me from an understanding, like I said, Mm -hmm. of the world that you're in rather than laying out sort of spinning a yarn about what the story you're about to tell, you're giving us an element of the story that makes us want more of it. Um, And I think when I started, I read your page a couple of times and I said, would I be as interested if we just started at chapter one? Um, And the answer was no. 
So I think in that case, you know, does that mean that there's reworking to be done in the way you lead off chapter one? And uh, maybe, I don't know. I didn't have a huge issue with it. But I think the prologue is doing that work of giving us a quick punch to the gut and saying, here is an enemy. Here is the twist. You want the story or not? And I think the answers are really strong. Yeah. One last question. Oh, I think I'm actually good. I, I felt like it was very helpful. And um, yeah, I I have some ideas on how to improve right. it. So that's, that's always exciting because I've put this one away for a little bit. So I'm excited to take it back out and look at it again. So we're having a very special event on Monday, July 29th. Melissa is going to go over your pages live. If you've been to one of our events before, you know that it's really fun. It's not stressful. Everyone's really nice and you can tune in from your living room. So if you're interested in that, head on over to manuscriptacademy.com slash live. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.